Well, this week uh, I was uh, kind of turning my thoughts towards uh, community just after our, our service uh, last week with Desi and Adon. And, and I talked to them this week and I said, can I, is it okay if I share with the congregation some of my thoughts about what I experienced? They said, oh, they said, sure, that's fine. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, did have permission just to share a little bit uh, about what I experienced and then just tying it in with our, our need to really live in community. And, and quite often that's contrary because we're in a, a country that values individual rights. And sometimes I think those rights of the individual uh, become greater than what is the common good for the community. And we, I think we probably all struggle with that, and especially in light of the recent uh, mass shootings in um, Buffalo and, and Uvalde there. And then what does it mean for us uh, to be a community in that light? And so I just want to read from the First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Uh, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. And then if we move forward to verse 20, it just says, as it is, there are many members, yet there is one body. And then if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And this is uh, the word of God for each and every one of us here today. Amen. And as we take some time just to, to think about uh, living in community, uh, where, where do you find community? I know over the years, Jennifer and I have constantly said, what would we do without the church community? Uh, to be there for us when we're mourning and grieving, but also to be there to celebrate life. And so what are the, uh, the positive things, the, the good things of community, as well as the, the challenges of community? And also, um, what role does community play in our spiritual walk? Is, it, is our walk just individual? Or is it about the collective whole as well? And also that question, what is that relationship between our individual rights, which you will not find mentioned in Scripture, by the way? <laughs> what are, what are the, that, that tension between individual rights and the common good of the, the community? So lots of questions there. So just focusing on community and the need for that. So let's take a few moments just to pray. And to reflect on that, let us pray. <coughs> Amen. Well, anyone with uh, just any comments on the, the value and the benefits of community, as well as the struggles or just that tension between what we want as individuals versus the, the needs of a, a community. Yes, Amy. Read this. For for true life. Yep. Okay. Well, since we're living in community, I'll say okay. <laughs> Govern all by the wisdom. By thy wisdom, O Lord, so that my soul may always be serving thee as thou dost will. And not as I may choose, do not punish me, I beseech thee, 
by granting that which I wish or ask. If it offend thy love, which would always live in me, let me die to myself that I may, that I may serve thee. Let me live to thee who in thyself art the true life. Yeah, dying to thyself and being born into the, the body, the presence of Christ. Yeah, thank you, Amy. Yes, Philip? I think something that we lose in Okay. Well, I was thinking about just community and, and, and maybe loosely tying it in with them. Um, that strong need, that, that biblical call to, to live in community, and then as well as um, just the mass shootings, and what does that mean for us as a, a community, a Christian community that hopefully we're reaching way beyond the doors of, of this church and beyond their own community, that we stand with one another in solidarity. And, and as we stand in that prayer, that prayer always leads us to action where we do care about our brothers and sisters in Buffalo and in Uvalde and truly thinking about them. It's not them, it's us. What happens to them happens to us. And I was also thinking uh, last Sunday was, uh, for me at least, I can't speak for all of you, but it was a, a special Sunday for me. And I just cherish moments when it is well with my soul. You could say when it is well with our soul. <laughs> Moments where glory just seems to bloom like a flower in the desert. You know, I was walking in Canyonlands last Monday, and something about those flowers blooming in the desert just does something for the soul. I cherish the moments where heaven and earth become one, and there's no separation. There is no separation, but they become one. And last Sunday, we honored and, and we prayed for two of our high school graduates, uh, Don and, and Desi, and I asked them if I could share my thoughts, and they, they said that was fine. And I can't speak for everyone, but for me, last Sunday, it was just a sacred moment. And Desi and Adon have been part of our, our youth group since they were in the, the sixth grade, and now they've graduated. And I can remember them running around our church and playing tag and sardines when they were just gangly middle school students. And I recall their, their sadness when Jennifer and I took them and a few members of our youth group to a classmate's memorial service. And that classmate died from gun violence. And we got, after the service, we got ice cream at the Dairy Queen. And we sat around the, the lake at Park DeVita. And we just talked about the beauty in the pain of life, just trying to process what had happened there. And during the pandemic, uh, we met in the sanctuary and we shared a, a meal and we had at least one liter of Dr. Pepper between us. <laughs> and we checked in with one another and we played apples to apples and we met here during the pandemic and there was four youth and myself. And when we played apples to apples, we did this every week and they just laughed and laughed and laughed while playing this game. And how could such a silly game bring so much joy? And it was just a reprieve from the stress of the pandemic and life in general. And over the years, we've shared laughter and tears and hopes and dreams, not just with our youth group, but as a church. I think it's something that we do well. 
We share life, and especially in a smaller church, in a smaller community, we see each other grow up in all the different parts of life that we go through together. And so last week as a church, we gathered around uh, Don and Desi. You remember they, they were right up here, and uh, you might have noticed it, but Don looked at Desi, and they were like, what do we do? And he just reached out, and they held hands. It was just absolutely beautiful. And something good happened there with all of us, I think. It was beloved community in unity, in oneness. And Frederick Buechner, he writes that every once in a while, we are touched here and there by a power beyond power to heal and to make whole. And that's that power of the spirit moving through a community. And sacred community, it unites us and it smooths the rigid scales of division which separate us from one another. <clears throat> In community, grace connects us and it grounds us as we share the peaks and the valleys of life together. And as Paul wrote, we celebrate and we mourn life together. We dance when the sun is shining and we hold each other up in the storms of life. And so what is our understanding of community? I could also say, what is our practice <clears throat> of community? And what role does it play in our, our spiritual life? And do we embrace community in all of its complication? And what about that tension between what we want as individuals and the needs and what's best for the community? Well, Jennifer and I, we absolutely love the intimacy of small communities, and we were very intentional about it. We, we lived in Meeker prior to being in Mancus and raising our kids here in this town. And we just love knowing our neighbors. And when I walk uh, in, in the morning down to Fahrenheit, coffee roasters. I often see Desi there, who works there. And right when I walk in the door, she says, you want a 12-ounce mocha, Craig? And it's a question, and she already knows the answer. And if Matt, who, who is the owner, if he's working there making the drinks, he already starts making my mocha before I even say what I want for the morning. It's living in a community. We just come to know one another. And after I, I leave the Fahrenheit, Philip and Linda, I, I, I always wave at them. They've been spending a lot of time outside at the Opera House. I wave and they wave back. And it's just having these relationships and knowing that we are part of a community with one another. And I walk down Grand Avenue and neighbors say hello. They usually first say hello to Angel, <laughs> greet her, and then they'll look up and they say, oh, hello, Craig. <laughs> but community has priorities. <laughs> and maybe that priority is taking care of the most vulnerable among us. And that would certainly be Angel. <laughs> and I wave at people as I go along and I always remember this always fascinated me. I remember one time, um, uh, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if you, some of you might remember, he lives in L.A. and he's a minister there. And he, he came with me and we stopped at Cox Conoco and I jumped out of the car and I, I, I reset the pump and started putting uh, gas in the car. He goes, that would never happen in L.A. <laughs> I go, what? He goes, you can't fill up your car before you pay. <laughs> And so I, I did this. I always do this as a habit. I usually wave at whoever's uh, running the front counter, and they reset it for me. But a few years ago, I walked into Cox Conoco to pay for my gas. 
And as I was writing my check, and Lyle Cox was alive at that time, he said, Craig, are you going to pay for your gas? And I said, Lyle, I'm writing my check right now. He said, well, a couple weeks ago you came up here and you just left. You skipped out on the take of gas here. And I said, I did? He goes, yeah, you left. He goes, are you going to pay for both tanks? And he goes, I go, yeah, I will. He goes, he goes I was going to call the cops. <laughs> he goes, I was going to call the cops because I thought it would be a really good headline in the paper. <laughs> Pastor arrested for skipping out on a tank of gas. And we laughed about that. And I said, well, thanks, Lyle. So how much do I owe you? Well, when we live in community, we build up trust. And we laugh with one another and we cry together. And we also really learn to forgive. We learn to forgive. And Eugene Peterson, I don't, did any of you hear his interview on NPR a couple weeks ago? It was wonderful. He, Eugene Peterson wrote the, the message. But he said with his advice about finding a church, he said, find the smallest church next to you. And if that doesn't work out, then find the next smallest church. And the person talked to him and said, well, why do you recommend going to small churches? Because you cannot disappear in a small church. You have to learn to get along and you have to learn to forgive or else you will not exist. And he could have run a mega church, but he was very intentional about being in a small church. In communities, we learn to build trust and we learn to forgive one another. And Henry Nuon, he writes, he says, in my earlier life, community meant a safe and familiar place of belonging. A community is a safe and familiar place of belonging. And then he adds, though, it's also a place where those not like me simply were not present. Community is where we feel safe and it's familiar, but it's also where those not like me simply were not present. And this is our challenge as a church. Even in a little place like Mancus, who's not here? And it's too easy for us to say everybody's welcome. Well, maybe that's not true. Who's not here? And why aren't they here? Why don't they feel welcome? I got my hair cut just a couple weeks ago at Walmart, and I, didn't even, I just happened to mention I was a minister. And the lady cutting my hair says, I've gone to so many churches, and I'm scared to death they're going to judge me for the way I dress. What kind of community is that? And what barriers or, or unspoken rules do we have that maybe we're unaware of that prevent people from coming to church or feeling they'll be welcomed. And usually the first one is judgment. People fear they'll be judged when they come to church. Healthy communities are sacred and holy and they nurture one another. And they always, always run the risk of being closed. A community can be healthy and as we get closer to one another and our needs are being met, we always run the risk of becoming closed <clears throat> because some people are in 
and some people are out. Some people are welcome, and some people are not. And those people, that's in quotations, <laughs> those people do not feel welcome. They do not feel at home. So who is a part of our community? The communities we live here in the Four Corners. Who is a part of our church? And who is not? Richard Rohr says, to be a person of faith means that we see things. We see people and animals and plants and the earth as inherently connected to God, connected to us, and therefore most worthy of love and dignity. Everyone is welcomed in the community of God. We are all one, says Jesus. And in the community of God, no one is left standing outside of the circle. And we constantly have to ask ourselves, who is not here? As a child going to church, a Methodist church in Texas, about the only thing I can remember from all those sermons was one minister said that church is the only organization in the world that exists for those who are not there and making sure that they feel welcomed. And we have to examine everything we do constantly, who's welcomed and who is not. Christ calls us to make our circles wider and wider and to stand in solidarity with all human beings and we have those sacred moments where we stand as one in love and in forgiveness. Moments where the walls and boundaries come tumbling down, including all those distinctions between minister and layperson, male or female, young or old, white or a person of color, or rich or poor. <clears throat> and we need not make judgments, says Nuon because we realize our common humanity and we belong to the same spiritual family and we are one. Today, as we sit here and stand here in church, <clears throat> war and mass shootings and political strife threaten to divide us even more and break up our communities more so. And now more than ever, may we stand as one May we rejoice together, and may we mourn together. And we mourn with our brothers and sisters in Buffalo. We mourn with our brothers and sisters in Uvalde. And then as we mourn and pray for them, that prayer leads us to action. Because we value community. Make one phone call and leave a message. We want a ban on assault rifles. And that's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. Put your swords away. Beat your weapons into plowshares. Community calls us into action to love one another and to care for one another. <clears throat> Make one call and ask for that. And may we hold each other's hands and hold each other up in beloved community. Amen. What song are we singing? Uh, the one you suggested. It's called uh, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Okay. <clears throat> and a few of you know the song um, from our praise service, Open the Eyes of My Heart. So if you'd like to sing along with Lee, uh,
feel free to do so. Mm -hmm. I didn't, we didn't coordinate quite enough, so we didn't get it up on the screen, but.
eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. So I don't know this song very well, but you do. So. <laughs> So, and I thought it'd be a good one to send everyone off in a good mood. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. peacemakers, so I would encourage all of you to make um, at least one call. And when you call this number, it's just like you get a, the, the switchboard operator, and, and he or she will ask you, who would you like to speak to? And so you can talk to any congressperson or a senator, whoever you want to. And it doesn't take too long, and just let them know that you would like to have a, a bill where we ban these assault uh, weapons, that we would like a bill where... Uh, Gun sellers are, are required to do more extensive background checks and will not solve everything, 
but it is a step in the right direction. So I encourage you to do that. And just may we embrace community. If you look around here, and this is just part of us, but it's a real pleasure you know, to live in community. And it, as you know, it's challenging as well, but it is the way forward. And may that grace of God just continue to shine down upon us and through us as we learn to live with one another. Amen.